Yun! Good morning, bro! Kamusta? How are you? Good morning, man. Nagbalitaan ko na, kinigaw ko sa podcast mo, meron ko ng bagong term ngayon, ha? Ang mga makabele. <laughs> mga kamakabele. <laughs> mga kagood makabele. Ewan ko, ewan ko kung ano to, kung, kung gano'n ka-deep itong reference na to, kung familiar yung viewers natin. Si makabele, <laughs> si Tupac yun, eh. The rapper. Dati kasi nagkaroon siya ng alter ego, ayaw na niya tawag yung sarili niyang Tupac. Yung pangalan na si makabele. So, baka na ang... Baka naman na ulit si... Uh, he's one of the bards of our time, di ba? Napaka-profound reference. Right. Tupac reference pala. <laughs> Oo nga, no? True, true artistry ang rinereference itong mga tawag natin si, itong... Si. Huwag natin i- Hindi, pangalanan na natin para mabash tayo, no? Sa so obviously, yung context ng mga kamakabela ay isang, isang napaka-loyalist vlogger na, uy, based in ten sa US, ha? Hindi yata malayo sa'yo. I think California din siya. Uh, itong, et, si ate... Si ate ay medyo super loyalist but ngayon super anti-BBM loyalist which is really a weird, creepy combo. So sabi nga ni Mark Gombo, we're in a weird world whereby Richard Haydarian is being cited to protect BBM <laughs> and, like, and and Maharlika is cited to attack BBM. So like, I don't know what's going on here, bro. You tell me. So ito mga kamakabele natin, hindi natin alam mga kamakabele. <laughs> Parang Leloy, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this Parang Leloy. Um, so, are you surprised by the turn of events in the sense that we're seeing a lot of these bloggers that we're expecting to rally behind BBM and all of that, that they're now kind of going against him or pro-tatay? And then, oh, by the way, I was I saw on Twitter, si Sasot ay nag uh, in invite yata bilang witness sa Senate hearing by Tita Aimee. Oh, 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 my God. Level niya ngayon, diba? Yung mga level niya, diba? So, yun. <laughs> What the world, diba? Grabe ang titindi talaga nito mga to. To testify on ETCA, yung mga gano'n. Hindi ko alam kung totoo yan or something like that. I just saw someone, parang tinatag nila, bakit wala si Haydarian? Ito yung mga BBM people na pro-ETCA. Gusto nila andun ako. Parang, dude, this is weird. Like, what's going on here? Alam mo, related to, yung kwento ko dyan is yung article ko about Ninoy Aquino. Laging sinasahit ng mga pro-Marcos. Yes. Diba? So I wrote that article in 2010 if I'm I'm not mistaken so yung mga Marcos Restorationist since right. 2010 ginagamit yung research ko para siraan si right. Ninoy Pero hindi naman nila binabasa sa proper context yung article ko. And may right, mga dilaw right. din na nagalit sa akin na sinulat ko yun noong 2010 pero hindi naman nila binabasa yung, yung context pero kasi yung article na yun well sorry I'm getting ahead of myself. Pero yung article na yun, we'll talk about it later. I think comes up with incontrovertible proof na si Ninoy Aquino was really allied with the Communist Party of the Philippines. Right. From from its very inception. And di lang naman ako nagsabi niyan, pero I just I just added to it because I found a couple of new doc, State Department documents and did a couple of new interviews. Right, right. Obviously, uh, medyo nag-advance tayo ng mag-isip. No? So, just, just going back to this, bro. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> preview, preview, preview. Alam ko kasi, mahirap na po ng mga ADHD nandito. Like, let's control this, bro. Now, going back to this, bago tayo, we'll go to the meat of discussion. I want to talk about this because the, the reason why itong Makavela, Makavela na yan, ay medyo sineseryoso ko na. I mean, as much as I, I you know, I, I, I'm just having a good time with this. is because... This is increasingly being connected to not only a fight among bloggers 
pro BBM DDS bloggers. Actually, wala naman siya ng pro BBM, no. Kaya yung yung Department ng Communications, yung Presidential Commission, parang 97 assistant secretary, 47 bisag na joke lang. But and, and like, no, no, but but because this is being related uh Leloy dun sa growing discussions about a siblings rivalry. Is mm. from your perspective, I have I've already said on the record like on television about what's my take on this. But I want to take your point as a historian because I know just like Ambeth, you have seen yung mga sinulat ng tatay nila about who sila talaga apple of their eye. And we know that Aimee was really the alpha no, as far as the siblings are concerned. And we clearly see that in Made in Malacanya, I Made in Marites, uh, and yung state of play. Now, what do you think about this siblings tribe? Is this real? What do you think is going on here? Ang dami ko na narinig na chismis dyan to and including meron ako narinig no, I mean no okay ganito bro not chismis uh, like on the record pero I think y- yung chismis kasi is telling about yung mindset ng mga tao di ba okay. and yung pinag-usapan okay. parang okay. hindi siya oh, parang right. telling about it's it tells you about a discursive atmosphere ng konti right so nang ko narinig na chismis yung, yung pinaka-interesting na chismis na narinig ko is this comes from a reputable academic who spoke to a reputable CIA source Jeez. Na si Apolo kay daw, yung matandang Marcos, nung namatay sa Hawaii, namatay daw yan ng may samang na, na may sama ng loob kay Bongbong. Oh. Or over I think yun nga, yung palang party boy behavior, yung, Ah, right, disappointment yung kanya, yung kanya disposition, yung kanya medyo happy go lucky dis- disposition that really didn't take things seriously. seriously. Yeah. the way I he does maybe and mukha naman talaga si Amy yung mas mas seryoso and si Amy right. yung yung ano into not, it yeah, yeah. He's, he's more into it you know frankly looks like Bongbong Marcos is like more fun to hang out with and Amy is just like kind of boring and a bit too type. I don't know diba yeah, pero yeah, pero so so kung ganun talaga yung chismis for the longest time like kung meron kung totoo nga pala talaga yun that's quite telling to me and then of course yung sama ng loob ni Amy Marcos is, is obviously best seen in Made in Malacanang right where okay. diba, where he, that, that 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 notion of bongets and bongets pa yung tawag sa kanya dun, di ba? prodigal son talaga the, prodigal, the prodigal son, son and the, the the party boy who made who broke his father's heart like it's kind of very it's kind of very pronounced in in that ano. and then you know I heard this I kind of heard this rumor also na hanggang Hawaii may sama ng loob yung matanda dun sa kay Junior. Um okay, let me push back against that a little bit bro no and and I want to get your point of view. Uh, of course our common friend uh, uh Manuel Quezon the third uh, MLQ has written interesting stuff about this which is he just he has described uh, Marcos as the last hawk because if you look at it during so the like, last days last hawk last hawk right? Remember during the last days of of uh you know the regime no the Marcos dictatorship uh BPM was in military suit no naka camouflage and all of that and according to MLQ the third uh and of course a lot of documents he was the one who wanted the much more decisive muscular response by the father it was the father who actually had second thoughts he wanted he really wanted a way out na the exit ramp na hinahanap niya but the son was kind of like dad let's go for it so i don't know it doesn't so parang yung argument na hanggang last moment the father was you know a bit disappointed no? but the thing is until the last moment of the the regime it was the son who actually was stepping up to the plate and that's what doesn't doesn't come out at all in Made in Marites I'm sorry Made in Malacanang no which is yeah, yeah. the transformation of the son no into this kind of a strong decisive figure or at least an aggressive decisive figure in which his father was Al- alam mo, alam mo, it's, it's, it, it, 
yeah, both could be true and then both one could be true one could be false like the story i'm telling malay mo ba kung sa nakuha nung CIA officer yun malay mo kausap niya si Amy right and that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, why sources niya about that, exactly. that that impression i don't know this is this is just gossip and of course gossip is not evidence like as a historian of course gossip is not evidence but you can use gossip to kind of figure context. out context. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. context in what people are thinking or what people are concerned with. Pero hindi, linawin natin, pag sinabi kong gossip is, is not, it can be used, I'm not saying na totoo yung gossip. I'm saying you can use the gossip to find out hints about what could be true. And yeah. so that particular example I'm citing, that could be false, but that could also also reveal something about the mindset of the people in the Marcos family at that time. It could reveal right. something. If it's coming from Aini Marcos, it right. can come, it can reveal her mindset, which is, which is very important. You know, like, of course, this is extremely gendered. Like, I can relate in a way. Yun din, bro. Yung gender <laughs> thing, yeah. I mean, Marcos. Kasi obviously, yung tatay nila sobrang sexist. Diba? Tatay nila sobrang sexist. This was a guy who would measure Imelda Marcos's food, right? And would comment about her weight all the time. Oh, not, so I didn't know was, that. Really? I mean, he was he was very controlling of women and 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 so and yet he believed of course, I think that the person who would carry forward this legacy should be the man, right? The man he named Junior. after him, Ferdinand, right? Yeah. Ferdinand Jr. So so of course, I mean I mean, of course, I mean, it's of course, uh, partly a victim, I guess, of the patriarchy of a of a very patriarchal macho man. This is like one of the most macho presidents we've ever had. Oh, so, man. yeah, I mean, uh, but at the same time, you know, di talaga naawa sa pamilya nito because, you know, yeah, you got exile, yeah, nagaaway kayo, pero grabe ang yaman yun, hindi niyo pa binabalik yung pera, di ba? So, I can sympathize to some degree, but ultimately, my God, di mga away niyo. It's nothing. You know, the, the software of the Filipino people oh. and everything like that. Oh. No, I, mean, I, I absolutely agree with you, Lelo, because, you know, as, as Adam Tuss would say, our good friend, right? Like, oh, you know, like something like narratives move markets in the same way gossips hmm. move history, right? So ah, yeah, yeah. If, if there's a there's an era whereby you have a lot of gossip about the king dying, even if it's not true that the king is unwell, that in itself creates its own political reality. No, it creates an mm-hmm. intersubjective reality. No, okay, I'm Haliga. That's that's why I say gossips have a value in historical analysis or political analysis for that matter. Ako naman, sure. Yeah. How how far do you think it's gonna go? I mean, you know, meron yeah. ng, meron ng legislative, marami ng legislative fights, for example, many times when the dissent yeah. yung Senado yung uh, yung si Amy over the policy of her of right. her trade policy, actually, mga dissensions. Right, right. Yeah. But how far do you think it's gonna go? Not, nothing na political, interesting, nothing na political, mostly trade yung mga dissensions just as Senado. Right. How far do you think it's gonna go? Okay. Um. So, I'm going to be consistent with what I'm saying. So, I'm not going to say different things in different platforms because I really believe this. For me, obviously, there's first element of temperament. I mean, is much more comfortable with feisty, spirited commentaries on politics while mm-hmm. being much more... So, sometimes that creates some sort of artificial difference. So, bakit siya strong ng stance ganitong ganitong? So, for instance, look at... Uh, uh, Stansny, uh, uh, Marcus Jr. during the commemoration of Etza. No, he brings the wreath. Mr. Unity, right? Abang si Aimi, she will throw some, you know, spicy comments here and there. No, even criticizing her own son, governor, blah, blah. So the first is there's a question of temperament. Second, I think there's actually misunderstanding. So for instance, on the issue of RCEP, no, uh, uh, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the argument is, 
Amy abstained sa Senate because ayon kay Amy, meron akong ano, concern sa mga magsasaka. So mas grassroots daw siya, alright? Habang yung kapatid na more economic, so is looking at macro gains. Well, mm-hmm. actually, base sa alam ko, Lele, because I was, able, I was supposed to do an interview with BBC on this, no? Uh, Philippines RCEP vote. So, the Philippines is actually one of the last countries, if not the last countries, to ratify the RCEP precisely yeah. because BBM had second thoughts about this. Precisely because BBM was worried that once RCEP comes in, kind of similar to how Walden Bell, you and our friends would argue, right? This liberalization is going to hammer our already besieged agriculture sector. So, Obviously, in the end, Marcos Jr. gave in to the technocrats, including some good people like Balisakan, right? Who strongly argued yeah. that on on a net on a net level, there are more gains than losses, and that the losses can be mitigated, and that we cannot afford to be left out of this because the Philippines yeah. is increasingly being pushed out of supply chains and all. So for me, I I miss abstention is actually not too different from Marcos administration dragging its foot and becoming yes. the last. Or mga last one. So actually, both of them kind of abstain. Saka ideologically, ideologically, mapapansin mo talaga yung magkapatid na yan o yung Marcos family. Meron talagang protectionist tendencies eh. Pero meron economic na tendencies na nakuha nila sa tatay nila. Naalala ko nga noong first week ni Marcos, I mean, he, he gave a speech in front of the economic managers and he said something related to food security, food independence, Absolutely. ganyan. Absolutely. And then, nakikita mo yung mga technocrats behind him mumingiwi ng konti because obviously yeah. they're not caught with that language. Yeah. They're, all, they're comfortable with the language of liberalization and free trade. Or Things Marcos, would under Aquino. Things would yeah. be under Duterte. Yeah. Marcos is like, Marcos is a creature, like he's trying to imitate his father. He is a creature of the 60s and 70s in a way. Developmental. And yeah. Impulses na ganun, they're probably coming from his father also. And same thing with, with Aimee. And bro, um, he studied in Oxford and Wharton, so he has a little bit of a familiarity with economics. And remember, he studied there in what? 60s, 70s, 80s, right? Mm-hmm. So this was the era where there were a lot of discussions about developmental states and the success of South Korea, NICs, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people are so dismissive of BBM, they underestimate him, but come on, dude. If you spend at least a semester in Oxford or a semester in Wharton, siguro naman, diba? you learn a thing or two, diba? Then let's say Tatay Digong who barely got out of his, you know, mayor's office or whatever. No. So so my point is, in fairness, I think BBM has some intellectual leaning uh, towards uh, not naman protectionism, but proactive state, proactive state intervention. Uh, developmental yes. state policy. Kitang-kita yan dun sa sona niya. For instance, if you look at the State of the Nation address of Marcus Jr., he talks about moratorium on debt payment for farmers. He talks about problems with the land reform. He talks about the need for... Now, obviously, you can say talk lang yan, but di ba, Lelo, yung talk lang, yung hindi ninagawa ng ibang presidente yan eh. Karamihan ng presidente, new liberal lang mag-isip eh. Buksan natin, competition, everything will be fine. But no, uh, this guy, Marcus Jr., was much more forceful in emphasizing that. So in short, I think both abstained. Marcus was abstaining, but he had no t- choice. Eventually, you know, the technocrats and business companies said, let's go for it because we need market access. We cannot lose it. So I mean, it's not actually too different from the brother on, on, on the RCEP issue. I think both of them have similar prote- nationalist bend rather, rather than a developmental nationalist bend. The reason why that can't be acknowledged is because on the left, there's really this narrative of Marcos as the father of Filipino neoliberalism. As yung nakikita. Because of Sikat. Sikat and, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because, because of Sinasikat. 
which is which is actually a very difficult argument to make. You can argue that he mismanaged the economy, that's fine. But to argue that he was neoliberal, and here's actually where, where I have huge yeah. agreement with our friend JC Punong Bayan, and he makes the argument that the, uh, under no circumstances can you call that neoliberal because it was an attempt at developmentalism, right? And and tindi ng state intervention. Like, for example, they say that the depreciation of the peso, my, my favorite topic, they say that that's neoliberal, for example. Right. And that wasn't neoliberal because you depreciated the peso so you could spend more. Remember that under a currency peg, limited mm-hmm. you must spend more because the amount of money circulating has to correspond has to has to be is, is effectively limited by the fact na pag sumobra yung money na circulate bibigay yung currency peg dahil magmumura mag, right. masyado yung currency right. morale the value has yeah exactly, right. exactly. So that comes from that comes from the gold standard principle and actually right. how can the how can getting rid of the currency peg being pro be be, be pro imperialist pro neoliberal when in fact the currency peg of 2 is to 1 peso that was imposed to us by the united states in 1902 as a product of U.S. imperialism mm-hmm. and defended by the United States government until the 1940s, right? Imposed on us and defended until the 1940s. So when Marcos fi- finally get, got rid of all currency pegs with the U.S., they say that that's a product of the IMF. And I just saw that said in the newspaper by an esteemed economist mm-hmm. like last week. And then they kind of make the argument that that's neoliberal. That doesn't, that just doesn't make any sense. You can call him a crook. He was. But don't call him a neoliberal because hindi talaga eh. it's just like conceptually wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so and so now, of course, and, and so so every time the left, the Philippine left, the Philippine nationalist left has has kind of has to agree with Marcos. It's uncomfortable. Like, okay, see, who are the people who, who are the only two people who opposed RCEP? Risa Ontiveros and Aimee so, no, Marcos. No, no. Aimee abstained, Risa really. Yeah, who, yeah. Who, who did not vote, rather. Exactly, the two yeah, yeah. who did Levels not vote yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Marcos and Risa Ontiveros. And yeah. you know, that's 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 uncomfortable, but at the same time, it makes sense because there is really dirigism protectionism in the Marcos right. narrative. Right. But bro, actually, the, the reason Nalaman go Aimee abstained was because Teddy Cassino on Twitter actually thanked Aimee or something like that because of that issue. Right, hmm. I and Teddy had a lot of back and forth on Twitter over the uh, Etka issue, right? You know, you know the usual old left arguments. So I kind of gave a more post left argument on this issue, but don't know RCEP. Oh, interesting. We all kind of agree on this. Ako ganito, bro. First of all, wow, talagang binabasa mo lahat ng ni JC. I'm not updated on what's what's being written out there. No, and then pinag-usapan na pinag-usapan namin yun. And and actually, you know, binasa ko naman yung libro niya, yung yung debunk yung debunking myths. Oh, ganda naman. Uh, may access ka? What is that? Is that based on his essays or something like that? Uh, parang bilis naman. No, that's na, a, usually that's books take two hours. Two, two years, sorry. Two years to come out. I mean, like, that was quick. Ano, was... matagal na yun. Matagal na yun. Tinabaho yun. Uh, okay, so congratulations to him. Anyway, yeah. going back to this, bro. Ako, um, I mean, as I said, diba? I'm glad economists are doing history. In the same way, I hope people also respect historians doing economic history. I'm, I'm, I'm consistent with, with what I'm saying. I'm not throwing shades or anything like that. I think some people were, because uh, I'm always sarcastic and shady, right? Literally shady now. But no, no, I meant it in a good way. I hope di tayo tayo mag-turfing. You know, I'm, I'm all good for, you know, economists giving tips on how to fight disinformation and making our democracy better. In the same way, I hope the economists are more open to political scientists and historians making reason based on world class literature world class authors and and experts now anyway going back to this bro first of all remember neoliberalism is not monolithic 
they're phases of evolution. You can even say they're like neoliberalism 1.0, neoliberalism 2.0, 3.0, etc. So neoliberalism bro of 1990s is different from neoliberalism of 1970s and 80s when it was just about to pick up at the expense of Keynesianism. So that's one argument. I'm not completely disagreeing with you, bro, but I'm just saying I would I would have a slightly different take. The second thing I would say is Marcus Jr. Marcus Sr. was kind of like Peron, right? Hybrid, mixing it up, mm -hmm. right? Here a little bit derigist, uh, you know, protectionist, here a little bit open. So for instance, I, I think he gave sufficient leeway to more new liberal leaning technocrats to go. Remember, what are the pillars of neoliberalism? That trade liberalization, privatization, deregulation. These are to simplify it, no? I think all of them. Marcos, I would give him a score of 40, 50 to 60% out of each of them. So he's not a full-fledged neoliberal, but I think there was sufficient amount of neoliberal uh, you know, uh, inputs. For instance, he was export-oriented industrialization, which is very different from what happened in South yeah. Korea. Yeah, in South Korea and all, whereby they first perfected the import, import substitution before they moved to export, right? So for me, I would say... On the balance, Marcos was at the least 50-50, neoliberal, derigist, right? But I would say probably if he gave it more time, he would go more, you know, probably more neoliberal than we would have wanted. But I completely agree also with you, bro. That the same way that I believe in on foreign policy, Marcos Sr. was far more dynamic and proactive and even successful than people recognize, right? So I had an interview with Romualdez, right? I mean... There's no one as influential in the you know the diplomacy of the Philippines today as as Ambassador Maldes there in the U.S. So we had a fascinating discussion about it. But and I, I agree that on economic policy, Marcos Marcos Senior was way smarter and way more unorthodox than people believe. Although I had some debate with Manong Frankie because the late Manong Frankie actually uh, had direct interactions back in the day uh, when Marcos Senior was giving briefings and all. I, I don't think he disagreed with me when I said, well, my thing with Marcus Sr. is I think he was a good lawyer. He was a smart politician. But I think his economics was not as advanced as Park Chung-hee and others. Because Park Chung-hee really studied the Japanese case of late industrialization, late development. My sense is Marcos was not as familiar with that. So I agree with you that Marcos was far more, let's say, unorthodox and interesting and nationalistic than many of our presidents later on. But I would say compared to his peers, Park Chung-hee, uh, Lee Kuan Yew, even Suharto, and the Kuomintang people in Taiwan, I think he was mm, not as economically literate, I would say, in terms of understanding the demands of development in a post-colonial state, whereby you have to literally create your comparative advantage. And if you rely on ex export-oriented industrialization, you will be locked into uh, the uh, uh, into a kind of a Western-dominated uh, globalization game. Anyway, uh, all I'm saying is that I'm just putting a different twist and context to it. I, we can have a completely different podcast, uh, uh, you know, episode just on Marcos Senior's economic policy versus the Sun. But, but, so bro, going back to the question, where I believe there's a serious rift, ideological and 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 policy rift between the the brother and sister is on foreign policy. You see, I'm Marcos oh. heads the Foreign Affairs Committee, and from what mm -hmm. I understand, because I saw probably when people were tagging me on on Twitter, to give a to give a, I don't know, testimony, whatever, there in, in Senate. No. So clearly, I think IME is much more comfortable with the Sasot way of thinking or Tatai way of thinking about these things than 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 with where, where the Philippines is heading under BBM, which is much more towards traditional allies, etc. So I think on foreign policy, Lelo, you know, 
I think there is some serious uh, disagreement there. And Ami Marcos sounds very like more sophisticated version of Duterte and foreign policy than, than, than BBM, who has been much more balanced and much more appreciative uh, and restorative towards our allies. But what I want to add here, bro, is this. There's going to be midterm elections in 2025. If Amy Marcos tops that, VP will be the least, least on her list. And probably she'll even consider running for the president. My mm. sense is part of Amy wants to run for the president, really. Now, she feels this is, she deserves this way more than, well, you know, right? And, and, Kaya nga mahalaga to. Kaya nga mahalaga yung mga movies na lumalabas ngayon. Itong Maiden ah, Malakanyang and then ano, Murderer Martin, mga ganyan-ganyan. Uh, so this is part of a very systematic, not very sophisticated, but systematic communications campaign that could be related to you know, a bid for the highest office down the road. I know it sounds crazy, but crazy always happens in the Philippines, so I'm not going to dismiss it, bro. You tell me. I'm going to front runner. still idol Rafi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, the front runner is still Tulfo. Yeah, yeah. And he's been picking really good fights. I mean, picked picked a fight with Cynthia Villar, picked a fight with Bato, whatever. So, actually, naglayo When we say that, I mean, I think we're just saying that she has ambition. And that there's a part of her that really feels like she deserves to be in Malacanang and feels way like more than Bong, you know Bongets Bongets can do it. I should be able to do it too. But uh, you know, I think that's that's highly un, highly unlikely at this point. Um, pero yeah, important to mga movies to because uh, of yung, yung nga, we have a our historiographical battles now are of course not going to be played out in the realm of academic discourse, right? So. Uh -huh. Grabbing if you look at the, the recent the, the, the recent month and that months and damning librung lumabas about martial law and the Marcoses. Um and then of course a certain intellectual class will gravitate towards these books, a certain intellectual and I contributed yeah. these books myself. Pero hindi ako maasa that these books are the ones that are going to yeah, it's the movies aside, right? It, it's the movies. The TikTok. And, and the reason why we do these books and the reason why we write these books is not because we expect na you know ito yung magiging ito yung magiging frontline ng debate. Uh, we do these books in the hopes na people will pick them up and then yeah. use them and then and know, set the parameters and set the parameters. Those books set the kind of parameters of more, right. correct. I like that. Set the parameters of more popular discourse. Pero itong popular discourse dito talaga. Dito talaga nangyayari ang bangayan. Ngayon, ang problema na ikita ko dito sa mga sine na to is, of course, parang ano na siya eh. What, parang naging, naging debate na yung mga sine. It's like the pro-Marco side and the anti-Marco side. And of course, pag ganun na yung hatian mo, wala ng nuance. And of course, the best movies are, are nuance. Like, speaking right. of Nino Aquino, bro, I still think, you know, in my other podcast, si Carlos Santiago is always saying na, we need to have a Ninoy Aquino biography. Okay, na talagang solid. Na, na talagang solid. At na matanda guha level. Like I was just reading the other day, um, Jose Abueva's political biography of Ramon Magsaysay. Yes, I know that. Talagang balanced, intellectual, cerebral, well-researched. Why can't we do that for, for, for a Ninoy Aquino? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, arguably, probably more influential, it has more influence in the history of the Philippines than even the great, you know, my guy, Ramon Magsaysay.
Right, right. You're absolutely right. I agree. Actually, I I found that book by Abueva beautiful because he was part of the campaign, right? So you can see mm -hmm. the raw emotion there when he was writing this really beautiful biography, a kind of passionate but scholarly bi biography of, of Magsaysay. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, my hope is what we'll have is Ramachandra Goa level, right? I mean, like, if you look at uh, Ramachandra's uh, writings on, on Gandhi, they're just brilliant and, and beautiful. And and as I said, recently, I wrote a piece about these parallels I see between what's happening to uh, to Gandhi in, in India and also to Nino in the Philippines. Because if you look at the case of India, for a long time, Gandhi was under attack by the left, you know, the Naxalites, the Marxists in, you know, in, 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 in southern India. And their argument was that Gandhi was never really a real revolutionary. He just... Hmm gave a kind of a radical twist to the caste. I mean, the more traditional thinking about In India. Culture. And then, of course, yes. there's accusations of kind of feudalism because he was exactly. tapping a native Which culture. Which is the Perry Anderson thesis in his great book, Indian Ideology. You may agree it weird or not, but it's a brilliant book. I really suggest to for you to read. I mean, if, if you don't want to read, you know, the Pangaj Mishra types, at least read the Perry Anderson one. So the attack on uh, on, on Gandhi from the left is not something new. What Ramachandra is saying, what is new is attack now from the more mainstream political populist forces. You can guess who are this. I mean, we know who's the prime minister now of India, right? And now they're even, you know, trending, uh, you know, the, like every year there's a trending Twitter for the person who assassinated him, right? Mm. So there's there's a celebration of the more far-right kind of figures, etc. And, and you know, there are attacks on Gandhi as not being true revolutionary. What he did was he gave too much rights to minorities at the expense of the Hindu majority. And I felt mm. that's that's fascinating. And, and so Ramachandra is saying this as someone who had a brilliant biography of Gandhi. I see a lot of parallel with the Philippines because isn't that exactly what's happening also with Ninoy right now? He's being attacked as opportunist, as communist, as traidor, whatever. Uh, and, and people are blaming him for everything that went wrong with, with the liberal democracy. And as Ramachandra correctly put, was put it, the reason Gandhi is being attacked is because of the failure of the Congress party, which is supposedly the inheritor of the Gandhian uh, you know, democracy or vision of democracy. Uh, and I see the same thing with you know the so-called liberals in the Philippines. They kind of gave it a bad name. But... One big difference between Nino's case and Gandhi is that Gandhi has a whole body of literature, brilliant biography of him, very intimately, beautifully written. But I was looking for a counterpart to Nino. No offense, huh? No offense. I cannot see anything at the same level, bro. Like, oh, you're hola, hola, hola. the historian, bro. What's going on? What's the, what's the problem? Why don't we have a decent... He's a fascinating, complex character. Right? He's very complex. So he's mm. perfect for a biography. You tell me, bro. You're the historian. Uh, I don't know. If you, 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 the family is, of course, very protective of the legacy. Ah, and those, I see what you're saying. Nino is coming out of the family, like you know, I am Ninoy, and then eventually the, the I am Cory Foundation, and then that documentary about Ninoy, na si Bampa yung gumanap kay Ninoy at one point, if I remember that. I think yeah, that was called right. of Ninoy. And then, and then ngayon, I haven't seen this new film, itong I am Ninoy, but I, I suspect I'm that it's Ninoy, yeah, roughly yeah. to you kind of family version of the history. And I don't. I don't begrudge the family for wanting to tell their story. Like sure. that's you should. You know, if you you, you are a family, you want to tell your story, and you know, disclosure. Parang I, I'm 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 a little bit part of the family because um, si Senator, yung lolo ko first cousin niya si Nino Aquino. Really, he, I didn't know that. Wow. That's, yeah. Oh wow. So I, I don't begrudge that. In, in fact, you know, like um, yung kapatid ng lolo ko, si, lolo ko, si former Senator Eva Estrada Calao, um, 
when I used to go to oh, her house, yeah, I used to yeah, visit yeah. her all the time. She had so many documents about Ninoy, her cousin there. Right. Um, and I tried to collect some of those documents and hand them over right. to Kino. And then, you know, for some reason, nawala yung mga dokumento na hindi ko na mahanap because this is the thing with, you know, large families. People yeah. take things from your house. But actually, you know, side story, I found yung, ano, yung, yung minutes when they were planning yung arrival ni Ninoy Nino in 83, yung notebook. You know, right. Ninoy, China Airlines flight ganyan in, in my Lola Eva's handwriting ganyan and then and then and then I told Lola parang Lola you keep this we're gonna give this to Bam and then pagbalik ko na oh right 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 anyway, anyway but parang parang so yeah so I guess like you know I'm not gonna begrudge the family for tell, t- telling that story you know my family is part of that story also um, yung last letter ni, ni, ni Ninoy Aquino, one of his last letters, yung Dear Prima letter, where, where he explains his vision for the country. The Prima being addressed there is his first cousin, um, Eva Estrada Calo, his sister, okay. my god. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't begrudge that. But still, you know, if a family is tell, telling the story, there's a lot of sentimentalism there. And of course, there are certain things that you don't... And defensiveness. Sure. And defensiveness. Oh, and certain defensiveness. And, you know, understandable to be defensive these days. Because yung, yung lolo nyo, yung tatay nyo, totoo naman bayani. I, I, I'll say this, like, bayani yeah. talaga. Bayani talaga siya. There's no debate about that. Exactly. debate that, guys. But the people, yung, yung bayani na yun, sinasabi ng mga tao na parang tridor ganyan. Of course, you're gonna be defensive. But, and, and so, so the family's not going to be able to come up with that biography. But you know what? I think what a, what a good balanced biography of Aquino does is that it in fact proves the bayani siya. Because like if somebody like me, I, I mean you know, if somebody like me, I, I don't want to talk about myself, pero just just as an example, if somebody like me who clearly is an anti-communist who does not like this Communist Party of the Philippines comes up with research, more research showing that Aquino definitely, definitely helped fund the Communist Party of the Philippines, and I walk away saying this guy is still a hero. I think that's that's more, more powerful. Yeah, more compelling. Somebody, more compelling than somebody from the family saying that you know the guy's a hero, right? So, I know, I know. so that's what a good biography will do because it will go through that past. And this guy has a really sordid and seedy past. I mean, the stuff I heard like is not fit. The stuff I've heard about him off the record from people who were close to him when I was doing interviews with former communists. I mean, you know, just like it's not for. I, 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 it's 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 not but some of it is like really nasty and yet I really still walk away thinking this guy's a hero yeah, okay Ako, the way I put it, it is I call it the maleficence uh, maleficent genre right like you know like uh, ano yun, ano yun? like a semi anti-hero that in the end is still admirable right someone complicated or 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 i rather put it as a kind of nick Joaquin-esque, um a question of hero right uh, i think we can have a new version of a question of heroes ala nick Joaquin, and then discuss our 20th century 21st century as speaking of which uh, i know the closest thing you have to a good biography of aquino aquino of tarlac by nick Joaquin. ah uh, exactly that only, that only covers exactly. until the 70s exactly. so. so that's it i mean for me my approach to nina would be out you know i'll call it the question of heroes approach right for me i think for me what makes nino very inspiring is the redemption not, mm. not that he was ever saint because as you know i, I interviewed for his movie i was in nino i see uh vince Taniada. of course we discussed about his you know his work with the family how we came up with the script and all he said 
sinabi na on the record yan, di ba? Oh naman, may pagkatrapo side naman yung younger years niya, di ba? Like, he was the youngest, among the youngest senators, etc. He was highly ambitious. But for me, what makes him really special is how yung arc of redemption niya, how in his more mature years and twilight years, you really see a sincere transformation. Transformation. Now, of course, I know you're, you're, you're not a religious pious person, but for me, I appreciate also his piety because that was for me. I saw it as a as a humility on his part, not the opposite that we know. A kind of sort of you know exactly exactly sweet exactly exactly, and that that got cut me like there's something something special is happening here, and you know of course his final hours before he was assassinated, he almost had a you know deja vu or he almost had the premonition of that, and you know I actually got a message from someone who was there in the airplane. Uh, and and I wrote something about Nino, and he really appreciated it. And so this person knew Nino, he was with Nino until his last moment, literally, and was with Nino throughout that fateful flight. And you could see he had rosary in his in his hands. So I don't think that's show. That's not, that's performed. I think he was really. Show, show. I call it the Mandela. How can it be show? Kung alam mo pwede ka mamatay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sinugal mo na yung buhay mo in front of everyone else. Hindi na show yun. And and paano natin alam na sinugal niya yung buhay niya? Eh, patay siya. There's an interview there, diba? Yung interview nasa aeroplano siya, diba? At in-interview siya ng journey. Sabi niya, you bet you bet you better be ready with your handheld camera because it's, things will happen like, in the, the next thing you know I may not be talking to you anymore so in, yeah. somebody is going home knowing that he could well die and he still goes home anyway because he believes he has something to contribute what's that I mean that if you don't call that here I mean very few yeah, next level honest, bro yeah next level I Uuwi ako knowing that there's like what a 50% chance na more than bago 50, mag, yeah. baba, more than 50% chance bago makababa yeah. tinira na ako hindi ko gagawin yun I love my life man like and I'm afraid of death so I mean seriously That's the guy's a hero if only for that one I mean he he's the, he he did many other things apart from that one moment pero partida na even if you tell me that everything before that was kind of trapo which I even that I disagree with right pero partida na even if you tell me that everything before that was trapo just that one moment nagpakamatay ka para sa bayan tapos na tapos ang basketball yeah. you're a hero yeah mic drop that's like the ultimate mic drop now so having established more or less that he was a hero that of course we can go on and on about this but my point is obviously we have no disagreement that I think we fundamentally agree he had this moment of redemption more than any Filipino perhaps in the 20th century. Now, Rizal would be the man for perhaps for his century. But let's go to the earliest years. Okay, not the things that you cannot say in public, but what can, we, as, as a historian, what is the established or reasonable way of describing his younger years? It, I remember you said something like, hindi ba gawain ng lahat yan? Si tatay rin, di ba? Kausap niyo yung left and sa bundok, tapos ba ako siya, kausap niyo yung military, di ba? Like, Marcos, you know, was had like folks talking to the Soviet Union, then we'll reach out to Mao. I mean, it's like, I call it the Peronism yeah. style, no? From the yeah, center yeah. you play with all. That was like standard operating procedure for any ambitious guy, right? Ambitious politician, right? You tell me, bro, you're the historian. Yeah, yeah. Pero, pero actually, speaking of Tatay, speaking, yung, yung, I was talking to a journalist in Mindanao, Stakinover, si Duterte, nung, nung years niya, as a Young. mayor, in Quaytasha. And then, 
nag-move siya to Mindanao news after yung yung kind of kilala ko yung sinya na yung we are talking about but yeah go uh, ahead yeah yeah i know and sabi niya talaga yung strategy ni Digong na yon na talking to the left talking to the right talking right. to everyone talagang intentionally modeled yon after Aquino hindi yon hindi oh. yon coincidence idol talaga niya si Aquino intentionally modeled yon wow so like gold standard si Aquino oh. To the oh. left, to the right. Oh. Yeah, I call it Peronismo. Oh. Diba? Peron oh. was the first one who did it really at the next level. Because you know, Tatay is a good one. Because you know, Tatay is a good one. No, you know, Tatay is a good one. So, we're going to be idols. No, no, don't do that to Tatay. Tatay actually was... I mean, come on. I heard from that the same source you're talking about. I know this person. Actually, he said, he would talk dialectics. He gave you dialectics to reporters. He's like, you're the one who's talking about it. Pero sa tingin ko, pero oh, I think it's more like it is yeah, yeah. local politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, right, you're right. Local right. politics. Yeah, yeah, so, right. dalawa daw idol ni tatay noong mga panahon, si FVR at si Ninoy. Hindi daw talaga maayos. FVR makes sense too. FVR oh. makes sense. Actually, FVR is for me one of the best, you know, again, by Philippine low standards of presidency, but God bless <laughs> his soul. Going back to this, so, so, Tell us a little bit about Nino. Like, what what is going on in his younger years, in his twenties? So I think you know, yung yung closest analog to Nino Aquino, and and they knew this both both Marcos and Nino knew this. Was was Ferdinand Marcos, parang UP UP hotshot, local politics, strong local roots, de ba? From si Marcos North, si Nino talaga. And then hawak talaga nila yon. Charismatic politicians, guapo, both dated Imelda, Imelda Romualdez, de ba? Rosa. Oh yeah, that was a creepy. Okay, yeah, that that was like yeah, weird. Thing, yeah. Ro- Rosa rose up the ranks re- re- really quickly from local to national, and then kind of considered boy wonders because they were they were just smarter than everyone else. They were more charismatic than everyone else. And obviously they were very at home in the milieu of post-war Philippine politics. They they they're right. they're the two people who kind of really own who grew up in the system of post-war Philippine politics. Because the presidents before them, they're they're in many ways caught in two worlds. Parang one foot nila is in the world of Quezon and Usmenia. Eh, that that well, that pre- that rivalry, yeah. Yeah, pero ito si Nino at si Marcos, their 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 feet are firmly played uh placed in the post-war milieu and they master it, right? And they and they, and they know this and that's why the rivalry is so intense because they see each they see each other, they see themselves in each other. And you know, tawag pa nila sa isa si Brad, 'di ba? Because pareho silang upsilonian. Right. And so, you know, may meron sense sila, you know, whatever it takes to get to the prize um and the prize was and of only course one, the president and only one can and, win and only and the, one the initial galit talaga ni Aquino kay Marcos was really eh brand ako muna eh bakit mo babakuran there are people there are people waiting diba so ako na ako dapat yung next it, it, it it's really supposed to be yeah and so in a sense that's why he becomes the head of the opposition that's why he's willing to do anything to essentially you know become to become president and that's why for example um si Commander Dante Buscaino, right? Um, head of the NPA. So yung CPP in the late, in the, yung, yung Maui CPP in the mid to late 60s, wala namang army yan, di ba? Right. They're just a bunch of students from UP who are very idealistic, but they're students. They don't know how to fight the war. So they need an army. And so, Senator, uh, well, Senator na ba siya? So Aquino comes to them and introduces them to his friend, Bernabe Buscaino, who is a former hook and Aquino is very close to the hook rebels. Right, right. So he uses this is according to this is according to testimony from Dante. 
Dan Tinsel, na coach sa isang US newspaper, na sa Hacienda Luisita, pinakilala ni, ni, ni Aquino, si Dante, kay Jose Maria Season. So effectively, yung CPP-NPA, yung dash na yun, you want to think about the connecting dash between the CPP and NPA. In many ways, that's Aquino. Right, um, and right, right. to do anything to 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 undercut Marcos up to and in support up to and including supporting a kind of military in uh, a military insurrection um against him and then yung nahanap ko sa state department documents is that sobrang sobrang angas ni Aquino that he even bragged about this to the Americans i mean, I mean it's crazy like the anti-communist americans right wow. and Aquino waltzes into the embassy and says you know actually i'm very close to the communists and you know if we if they want to take over and they're proposing to me that um if we beat marcos that we will have some kind of power sharing agreement between aquino between me yeah. and, and yeah. communists in the mountains about it so was it grandiosity was it some sort of complex there or did he really have a leverage there did he have really leverage to Hindi ko alam, hindi ko alam why would uh, until now that's the mystery to me, diba? Because that was a state department document, diba? Why yeah, would he classify, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would he waltz into the US embassy? Talk to US embassy officials and because say inevitable na, because US is the big brother. He, you have to Yeah, but, but he's saying he's working with communists, right? And you tell you say this to you know the most anti-communists. Well, when is this again? Uh, 1907. Because remember, bro, this is the Nixon era, isn't it? This is when Nixon yeah, let me, let me to, see, to to. Yung ayon, kasi for me, it makes sense if this is the Nixon Mao era of this is where when Kissinger is reaching out to Zhou Enlai and all. So U.S. was not monolithic too, right? They were also playing their own, you know. Uh, they were also waltz, waltzing with some communists against the big right. communist threat, right? Which is the Soviet Union. So. I don't know. For me, I think Aquino being a smart 1970, guy. 1972, Brad. Um, oh, bro, so exactly. This is the Mao, Nixon, the era. So Come here, on. Here's the, here's the quote. Yeah. In private, from, from that, this is a telegram by U.S. Ambassador Henry Byro to the State Department. And he says, in private conversations with two embassy officials, September 12, 1972, Senator Aquino said that, that on, on September street, 7... Bro? You want to put that on the screen? Uh, you can screen share that. Padala ko na lang sa yung yung itong itong document ko that's gotten me oh, into so much. I can so make it uh, This is the purpose of those people who are watching us. Um, sige, there. Ito, ito, ito. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. put it on the screen? Yeah, yeah. Bigi ka ng link sa'yo. Or you can just so, share, bro. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah, so anyway, in private conversations with two embassy officials, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nina network with everyone. He has met with Season and several other mem other members of ah, the Communist Party Central oh, Committee yeah. in a suburban house in Makati. At that meeting, he was presented with a proposal to join. Right. Let's see. To join broad opposition, a broad opposition part of the Liberal Party CPPML. And other radical groups. He did agree, however, to provide the CPPML with statement of broad program of broad of, of principles on which he invited their comments with with which he established the basis for further further future cooperation. So here's this guy, yeah, going to the U.S. embassy saying, "I'm coop like I'm trying to establish future cooperation." Crazy, right? It's like, Audacity. Audacity. Oh. Yeah, audacity. That's the perfect term for that. Well, that well, in a way, aren't heroes also anti-heroes or just like audacious, crazy guys at some point, right? At, until they mature. I remember Carl Jung said something like, 
ego is the royal road to enlightenment, right? So like, like Carl Jung comes to my mind, like itong audacity, yabang. And then at some point, he goes into the spiritual transformations. I already have a, if you want to write a biography, I'm already giving a arc of how to put it. Carl Jung, right? The royal road, you know, ego is the royal road to, you know, to enlightenment. So I like, pero Brad, alam mo yung, you know, I think na you know, pagtanto ko, we, we, we're very, you know, we don't necessarily think that the family version of history should should be the end all and be all. Pero yung art naman ng family history, tama naman yun eh. Yung, ina, tama naman yun na meron, siya, meron siyang ambitious, may, nagsimula siya an ambitious politician, nagkaroon siya ng spiritual conversion, nagpakamatay siya para sa bayan. That essential art is true. is is 100% true, di ba? Absolutely. It's the details that will di- diverge. Yeah. Yeah. So just to wrap up this episode, because we can go on forever, I'm sure the Ninoy issue will come out later. In fact, perhaps we can do an episode of Marcos Ninoy, kind of a, uh, the whole Batman, Joker, whatever you want to put it there, juxtaposition there, or Batman, Superman. No, I mean, going back to this, um, what what is your understanding of, okay, how can you make, I don't, I don't want to use the word cool again, but how can you make the new generation, how do you think, what, what is the best way for the new generation to truly appreciate the legacy of Ninoy? So that we can have someone like Nino for the 21st century. We had Rizal for the 19th century. We had Nino for the 20th century. I think our country definitely needs at least one version of that for the 21st century, right? If our country is going to have any chance to move in the right direction. Or maybe you don't believe in heroism at all. You don't think we really need it for, for this century. I don't know. You tell me. I'm just thinking like, okay, this is it. Now, how do we move forward for the 21st? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, the, the, I wrote something about this, diba, dun sa, sa column ko, um, because, you know, I was quoting uh, Ramachandra Guha, diba, who said that, you know, um, if, if you look at it, for him, he said, the desertification of Gandhi has been aided by the hypocrisy and misconduct of the Congress Party, which is the closest analog to our Liberal Party, no? mm-hmm. which dominated Indian politics throughout the post-war periods, even as their, quote, politicians ostentatiously wore homespun cotton while promoting cronyism and corruption. So, I mean, as I argued, well, Nino is being unfairly blamed for all the shortcomings of countless self-described liberal politicians who perpetuated a culture of incompetence and corruption while singing praises for the Aquino family. You can just name people. I'm not going to do that. So, and this is why my argument is thus to fight this information and to honor Nino's legacy, it is first and foremost important to discard the very elements that undermine the Filipino people's faith in liberal democracy and what Nino stands for. And the best way to fight this information is to acknowledge widespread disenchantment with deracinated liberal elites and reverse decades long political adulteration of Nino's ideological legacy. Thus, beyond toxic self-righteousness and election result denialism, what we need is a genuinely progressive movement for democratic transformation. I'm not sure I'm really answering here, but I'm at least giving a general blueprint of where we... I, I mean, I'm not answering in terms of tactics. Bro, 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 ang galing mo, ha? Kasi yung peroration mo, ang ganda-ganda ng ending, pero you still found a way para makabanat sa, sa Google Trends. No, come on, bro. <laughs> They're not that important. Election denialism, effectively. I have friends. I have very close friends of mine. I have an awkward time dealing with them because whenever BBM comes up, suddenly it goes into like, hindi naman nanalo yan. Eh. Tapos, and then I have to start, I mean, like, let's not just talk about it. So, so no, this is not about this person and that person. I'm having I an issue with some very good friend of mine who I've been good friends of, uh, we have been good friends. These are US-based friends of ours, Filipino. Na, you know, they're very invested in strong alliance and pushing back against China. But this denialism thing, uh, 
this analytics, blah, blah, blah. It's creating problem for me even with some of my good friends. So, major yeah, personal na siya sa akin. No, major personal nga rin sa akin. So, actually, I pointed that out diba? because I, I don't know how to answer your question either. Pero I know where to begin, which is, kailangan merong realism. Kailangan hindi pwedeng hero worship. Hindi pwedeng worship. Hindi, hindi mo, ibang bayani sa Diyos. So, you can't worship Aquino. Um, and then, of course, you need to be able to live also in the gray areas even as you re- recognize your ultimate principles. Because if we don't live in the gray areas, then we just place ourselves into silos and everybody thinks we're, right. we're super unreasonable. Um, and and this, this has to include like giving credit where credit's due and criticizing ourselves when, when we yeah. make mistakes. And, of course, criticizing our heroes when they make mistakes. So that's that's the blueprint essentially a kind of a kind of a kind of independent thought that is still grounded in ultimate principles. So yeah. I don't know if that makes Aquino cool but that definitely makes um, I mean, the, cool the, is a little bit that too more reasonable. Yeah exactly. Even a fair appreciation of the uh, uh, martyrs legacy. Iko uh, do you have an advice on a closing note do you have an advice to whoever is going to be the biographer of Ninoy like what 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 is your advice as a historian in terms of what is a legit Ninoy biography is going to look like. And maybe if you have an advice in the Aquino family, you know, because who knows, maybe they're also listening to us. You never know, right? Uh, I got to know apparently an Aquino grandson is teaching in UP right now in Pulse Department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, idea and, about and, that. Of course, and then, of course, technically, technically, you know, Aquino grandsons are my, my or my third, co- third cousins. Oh, exactly. Um, Here you go again, um, You never know. Maybe they're listening, yeah. Yeah. Um, What's your advice as a, as a historian, aside from you know, being there, relevant, there, yeah. there are there are examples of authorized biographies that are nevertheless even-handed. So I mean, if the Aquino family really wanted to and 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 really want, I think that really want to kind of cement the legacy of of this hero, they should really commission an independent biography. So what yeah. they It is yeah. what it is. Get somebody who is somebody who is fair. Because yeah. all you need, all you need is to get some, uh, give them the materials, and then find someone who's fair. Because I think anybody who's fair will come to the conclusion that Kate, we we came up with, which is he's a hero. Yeah. Now they might the the family might feel uncomfortable with the way this person gets to that ultimate truth. Correct. And Correct. They should Correct. I think they should live with that discomfort because ultimately any fair-minded biographer who is rigorous Correct. will. Ultimately, state that truth that this guy is a hero, yeah. and we should live with the discomfort of the fact that getting to that heroism was a very, um, you know, was a very a lot of zig um, and a lot of zag. zag. Yeah, a lot of zig and a lot of zag. We thought exactly the same. A lot of zig and a lot of zag. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Lela. I really appreciate. It. I think this is an episode that was, you know, was really in the making. I think that, and the time has come. I think in the context of the Elsa commemoration. Just a short thoughts, thing. What do you think about the reaction of? Bumbo Marcus Jr. Were you surprised or pleasantly surprised? You know, sending a wreath, saying all that unity thing, like or now he was just being safe and all of that. Were you the one who was who was telling me that there were some people who thought like, you know, hindi hindi malayo sa hindi malayo na he might even lead the Edsa Day celebration, de ba? An act of unity. Yeah, yeah, there were some people who were saying that, de ba? That that would have been the maximalist version of that. So, so I'm I was surprised. I was. He went, yeah, he went kind of for the middle approach again. Very BBM, no? Very very BBM. Not surprised at all. Thank you very much, bro. I hope this was just the beginning of more real scholarship and discussion on Ninoy because I think. 
Nino's legacy is still living with us and it still can. I and mean, the reason I talk about it that is because recently Anwar Ibrahim no, of Malaysia was also in the Philippines. He was in my college. He, we conferred a new honorary degree in him. And he's someone who's a, a Filipinist, right? He loves the Philippines. He knows a lot about Philippine history. He went to Rizal Luneta. He knows a lot about Nino. He called him a martyr. He wrote about him. So I don't know. I think this is the right time when even foreign leaders like the Prime Minister of Malaysia is someone who's very interested in the legacy of Nino. Yes. Maybe we should pay also more respect to our own heroes when foreign leaders are also doing that. And Anwar is someone who knows what he's talking about. He went through a lot before he became the prime oh, minister. God, yes, we yes. can have a different, whole different episode on that. And I hope, I hope a part of me hopes like Anwar siguro told BBM, i-release mo na si Dalima, di ba? Parang yung nangyari, oh, yes, yes, parang yes, nangyari yes, sa akin eh, yung mga nonsense sodomy charges, mga ganun. All right, bro, let's keep it here because we have to do an episode also in Japan, Secret History of Philippine Japan Relations. We have to really do this Thank you very much, bro. Uh, talk to you soon. Yeah.